We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we got some reports about Lakers coaching news over the weekend. If, when that becomes official, we will talk about that in further detail. But today, we're going to talk about the conclusion of the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, guys, I think there are three essential ingredients to being a championship contender. In order of importance, you have to have the guys. You have to have the top-end talent. Then, secondly, that top-end talent has to be healthy. And then last, your team has to be able to play on a string where everybody is really playing a connected brand of basketball together. And so when the brackets came out, when the playoff brackets came out, the thing I care about most, right, is Boston not winning the chip. And we are perilously close to that. And I looked and I said, hmm, that looks like Brooklyn. Milwaukee, and then Miami. And I was like, shit, good chance one of those teams gets them. But I want to look at that bracket of theirs, D, through that lens of, do you have your guys? Are they healthy? And then do they play a connected brand of basketball? So the the first round, they've got the top end talent, but they're missing Ben Simmons and they're not connected at all as a team. And then in the second round, they're playing the defending champs that is missing one of their guys, but has the top end talent in the game, probably in, in Giannis, and is very much connected as a team. And it's a great seven game series. And then I'm watching the first part of this series between Boston and Miami D and the first three games, right? Or the first two and a half games. I'm like, okay, I, I see where this is going, but there's this guys are in guys are out. And then in the middle of the series, Jimmy Butler is not the kind of playoff monster that he had been in between this weekend were two of some of the best basketball games I've seen this year, in part because it was two teams that mostly had their guys. They were not 100%, but they had their guys and they were playing great connected basketball. And I just wanted to say that like going through the gauntlet that Boston has gone through, regardless of how this ends, is impressive. And I think they have one more rung of that ladder to climb in terms of a team that has the high-end guys that play together and are connected in the finals. So it's an interesting story of which we're about to enter the last chapter. 
It is an interesting story. Boston is a well-deserved Eastern Conference champion. And I tire of folks trying to poke holes in all the accomplishments that the Lakers have had over the years. There's plenty of Celtics people that do that. And I tire of that. And so I'm not going to do that to Boston now. In order to get to the finals, they beat the three teams that were labeled as their chief rivals within the conference. The only team they didn't get a chance to beat was Philly. And Philly suffered their own fate at the hands of the Heat. All three of these teams are teams that have beaten them in recent years in the playoffs. Yes. And so I'm not going to diminish or even try to diminish anything that they accomplished based off of the circumstances that the other team was going through. I see. People try to do that to the Lakers enough. I know how that feels. So I'm going to be my empathetic self and and not try to uh, discredit the Celtics. Boston is representative of many years of building towards the idea of this is what wins in the playoffs with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and defense and versatile switchy shooting bigs, basically. That's what wins in the NBA ever since basically LeBron went to the Heat. Dirk got his championship. And then after that, it was a bunch of Heat Spurs with their style. Oh, Heat again, right? And then it's Cleveland and then Golden State and then it's Toronto and the Lakers. And oh, okay. And here we are now. And so it's big wings, it's shooting, and it's defense. And that Eastern Conference Finals was a bloodbath. It was like a horror show of when you're on offense, like, holy cow, what am I actually going to get out of this possession? Because the other defense is just grinding you down. They're just grinding you down. And so Boston won the war of attrition. And now they get to go see a Warriors team. But but before that, Mike, like, I think Pete's point is spot on just about the run that the Celtics have put together and the idea of them having those three elements that he spoke to in order to get to where they are now. Yeah, I, I just first of all, apologies for my half voice. Uh, hopefully you guys can hear me fine. Um, it's you know, uh, without his voice. It's it's Thor without his hammer, man. It's oh, a tragedy. Yeah. It happened. Uh, it happened actually um, the day before my wedding. And my wife had to give the toast in our rehearsal dinner because I, I literally couldn't speak. It's the only day in my life I couldn't speak. I got it back to this wow. level the next day, but um, which yeah, so that wasn't fun. And here we are. So Mike's I think that, hurt. you know the <laughs> second half of the season, right? To to try not to repeat a point that I've been making, but I I just thought that Boston was the most complete team in the East, and the hope that I was holding out for is somebody that just you know doesn't necessarily like to see Boston win was that Milwaukee could find a way and kind of on the strength of Giannis and out of respect for Giannis. But when Middleton went down, it seemed like that was going to be too tough of a hill to climb. And Milwaukee, you know, made competed, but Boston ultimately kind of showed in those later games in the series, right, that they were better. And I thought the same, like Miami, as we've talked about, and certainly me and Pete have talked about, is a one of the smartest and most dis- disciplined teams. And they're going to sort of really make you earn it. And I thought they did, but, you know, the Jimmy Butler three is one thing, but Boston really dominated and controlled that game for the most part. They were up 10 about six minutes in. They were up 13 with three minutes left. Now, they they tried to vomit it away. Uh, they got back to something that's hurt them all year, which is kind of Marcus Smart taking six straight shots and 
conceding late. It, it just was, it got really messy. And uh, that was definitely exciting. But I thought that that Boston, when they played their game, it reminded me of the Lakers team that I came to, um, the, the nine and 10 teams, where they might not beat you every game, but they'll beat you four out of seven. Like if basically, if they play their A game, you are not going to win. Um, and unless you like at least the team that they've played so far. And that's how I felt about them. They and they won. That that's what happened. Those teams that sort of messed around some, right? But like when but they but they always ended up winning uh winning in seven because they were the I thought they were the better team. See, I I think it's different because a, a team like that does have a Kobe, right? That had already been a champion. Boston's a young team. They've got guys that this is their, like you see, they celebrated the Eastern Conference Championship in ways that like the Golden State Warriors would never celebrate a Western Conference Championship. And because, and I don't say they that just to did. put them the down. the Warriors just do that? No, not, not to the degree that I, I saw. And maybe I'm, maybe this is my extremely biased lens against, against the Celtics, right? But I'm, I'm not even saying it as a, as a, as a put down, right? What I'm saying is that like they really earned, like they climbed, they should feel proud. They should feel accomplished to have get to the, gotten to this point. But what I mean is that a guy like Kobe, Kobe wouldn't, you know where those Western Conference championship trophies are in our facility? They're not prominently displayed, right? Like they're at a different point in their journey, I suppose, is my point. You know what I mean, D? Yeah. Boston celebrated like the Lakers team that beat the Blazers in game seven, like after the lob to Shaq. We did it. Yes. We did it. And look, it's not a put down. It stood out to me, though. I sent it to you guys like in the text are like, these dudes are really happy. And they were really happy. And it, it was just, it was more of an observation than it was. Exactly. like, oh, look at these dudes celebrating the wild card like in baseball, right? They're mm-hmm. dumping champagne on themselves after the wild card win. And it's because it is a different sort of deal within baseball. But this team has been in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think, four times. They've been in the Eastern Conference Finals yep. several times. This sort of core group, right, with Tatum and Brown, they got there when they were really young, and now they finally broke through. And Horford's a dude that's been in the league forever. Like, his mm-hmm. contemporaries are Corey Brewer and Joachim Noah. When was the last time those dudes played an NBA game? And Horford was their teammate at Florida. And so let's go to break here, and we'll continue to talk about, like, the Eastern Conference Finals and then maybe even start to talk a little bit of Finals preview stuff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so just to wrap up that point, guys, Boston should be happy 
they should celebrate. But I remember, Mike, and you would have been there. The Lakers were celebrating their Western Conference Finals win, and they weren't celebrating at all. And it was very like Derek Fisher spoke and Pal Gasol was there and all those guys are standing there after I, I can't even remember who they beat in the Western Conference Finals in, in order to play the Magic in the 2009. Denver? Denver? Yes. Denver. Yes. That's right. The Ariza steals. Ah, shout out yep. to Trevor Ariza. That's oh. right. <laughs> Anyways. In younger days. Yes. And they weren't celebrating at all. And it's because they had sort of tasted their own blood the season before. And they weren't, that taste wasn't out of their mouth yet. Right. And so. Trust me that I, that and Kobe had been to the mountaintop and fish before too. Right. So, right. They so it's just, they're just at, at, it's different. at different points. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking more just about the actual strength of the basketball team, less than yes. the, like the Boston celebration. That, yes. That's all like the better team finding a way to win four out of seven, even if it didn't look pretty the whole time. So I, I, I agree. And I agree that Boston proved themselves to be the better team. My point about Miami, the, the thing that I have pushback against was like this, thought that they were in different classes as teams. If they were in different classes, it wouldn't have gone to game seven and it wouldn't have been a Jimmy Butler three-pointer away from Miami taking the lead. Did Boston control that game? Yes. They did. did they control most of that series? They did. But your point to when Boston plays their game, they're tough to beat is also true about Miami. And when that's what I loved about these last two games, Boston played really well in that uh, game six as well. The only reason Miami wasn't up by 15 in that first half of game six with how well they played was because Brown and Tatum were hitting and Tatum especially hit some great shots. And so like a lot of the reporting afterward were like, oh, they disappeared in the second half. It's like, no, they stopped hitting insane shots at an insane rate. Like, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, if you have to do that the whole game, you're probably going to lose. And so the Miami is a very good team. Jimmy Butler is an underappreciated, in my opinion, star in this league. He's one of the playoff go-to guys. And while I think Boston proved themselves to be better, there's a reason that it went seven. And there's a reason it was a two-point game with less than a minute minute left. And it's not just because that Boston blew it or Boston was doing something wrong. It's in part in part because Miami's a very good team. So if Miami's an eight out of ten team, then you know Boston's a tick higher type of thing. That's my only argument. I think all that's fair. Um I'll be very interested. So when did the final start? On Thursday? So everyone gets a good little rest in between now, now and then. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. Hope at hoping everyone gets to uh grill some meats and, and sit back and relax and hey. enjoy a cold beverage of your choice, right? And rest up a few days because I think the finals are going to be a bloodbath as well. And talk about teams that are showing that they have connectivity and their top players and guys played at or near their peak levels. That was the Warriors, the last series too. I feel like one of the things we've done to the Warriors in their run to the finals is sort of like look down upon them based off of what their opponents have or yes. have not been able to do. Yes, and guilty. We, and I don't think we valued them enough for what they are and the yeah. predicaments that they put you into on both sides of the floor and the level of decision-making you have to go to and and activate and reach over the course of a full 48-minute game to beat them. One of the things that stands out to me about the Warriors is like, how they just decide over a stretch of a four or a six minute period that they're just going to boot the ball all over the court 
and it ends up not very dangerous against Boston, by the way. And they will kick your ass if you do that. Indeed. But then the Warriors always seem to be like, yeah, that was like our growing phase. Right. Like, oh, like, whatever. We'll we'll find our way back. And they always seem to find their way back because they can often access a level of discipline and and skill and shot making and defensive fortitude that make up all those elements that you spoke to at the first part of the pod, Pete. And if anything, they are to me symbolic of what that connectivity and on a string and and how systems and players who understand their fit within that system then leverage their own skills in order to enhance the system, which then enhances them. In the same way, it's like the gamma rays building up the Hulk, like, oh, yeah, we're in this together and now we're monsters. And that's the Warriors at their best. And so I'm interested to see how Boston and their like, we're bigger than you. We're faster than you. We jump higher than you. And we've got some of that shot making and skill as well. And we're just a, a rugged team that can like body you and grind you down. This is a Styles Make Fights series to me, and I'm super interested to see how these styles mix it up in the middle of the ring. My guess is that we'll do a kind of a more full-throated finals pod on Wednesday. Um, Let's hope so, Mike. Yeah, Darius uh, (laughs) clearly already moving into the finals preview uh, today. All I've been trying to do is protect Pete, okay? I I tried to warn you a couple months ago. Look, man, watch out. I tried oh, to warn you before the series. I've been paying attention. I've I been paying attention. You, and you're so good at arguing about basketball, and you're so insightful, and you're so passionate that you can, you can, you can't box you. Okay, you're not somebody that can just be put in a box in their argument. But I've been trying to let you know this was what was going to happen with the Celtics, and I haven't decided yet about the finals. Um, it, as Darius says in the chat, Mike's so kind, looking, looking out, for, out for me. But I'm, I'm for real. I've been trying, just like I think I've been, you've been, you've been kind of wanting it to not happen, but it happened. I tried to tell you. Of course, I don't didn't want it to happen. Did you think that I not saw it as a as a strong possibility? I think you are so good at uh, breaking down basketball. No, 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 no. You, I'm not the, saying you, I'm not the, talking the, about my ability to bullshit. No, I'm saying heat, in my heart, do you think you that were, I you put the heat I, up at one point a little said, higher than than they should have gone? No, to protect Mike, yourself, Mike. I never. <clears throat> so again, it went seven, and it was like Boston was the better team, and the fact that that like. If, if you don't think that I, that I thought that this was a distinct possibility, to me, this was a 55-45 series. And that's what I've been trying to, like, it, I've been trying to get into the details of the reasons why. And in part because I, I knew Jimmy Butler is a really high-level playoff performer. And, uh, and Miami has a lot of guys that have done their jo- jobs well in the playoffs. And they play with that level of connectivity and have a great coach, right? Boston, like you said, Mike, you have to earn it. To beat Miami. That was my point. And my argument, my point all along was like, Miami's going to play a certain level of basketball. And you are going to have to be able to beat that to do that. And Boston did that. They had windows, the windows they had in these last two games to execute, where it's not like it wasn't the, the type of shit where they were like just letting Lowry and Struess step into open threes. These were Miami's making great rotations. They had to downsize from PJ Tucker to Oladipo just to go faster. I think that has interesting implications in this series. And I think in some ways, how Miami defended Boston provides a template for Golden State to do the same. But that 
all of those factors like play into uh, just what I think is beautiful about the sport. And then, and if Boston was legit, they were going to have to beat Miami in those types of games. And they were. And it wasn't just because they overwhelmed them. They had to attack in several different ways. They had to make great shots. They had to play high level basketball in order to do that. And so to me, Miami was always a Miami was always a standard that my that Boston would have to get past and played a style of basketball switching with size to that counters some of the strengths that Boston has, particularly with their ball handling weaknesses. And we saw that play out in the course of this series. That was a factor. It was a reason why it was as close as it was. But Boston rightfully prevailed because they executed in the highest levels of basketball. Let's take another break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the finals. So one of the reasons I liked Miami D was because of that ability to switch with size, right? Boston is a formidable team physically. They're a bunch of big dudes that can plow through you. We always talk about uh, we you know we've been talking a lot about the sequence of basketball. We've been talking a lot about about all that. If you're against a team that can do that, but can also just bash you over the head, they can break the sequence. And that's the thing I'm most concerned about in this series from the perspective of someone rooting for Golden State is can the strength of Golden State hold up. You made an argument in the last pod about how Steph has gotten stronger as he's gotten older. That's probably true. I mean, that's just true in general in life. As we get older, especially in you know mid-early 30s, we just naturally get a little stronger than we were when Golden State was winning championships three, four years ago. Do you think they have enough in that, in that aspect? In terms of strength, maybe. Maybe. Is Porter healthy? Is Gary Payton the second healthy do they have all their guys? Is Iguodala going to get any run? Right? Like, that's the thing, is a fully healthy Warriors team will have bodies, and lots of them. Right? Like, that's just how they've been built over the years. Like, even, I thought last series, Kerr was very smart. He gave Moody extended run. He gave Kaminga some run. He even dusted off Bielitsa for like some important minutes in a closeout game. I think one thing that the Heat showed against Boston is Boston's rotation is like seven and a half guys. They're very much on like that 2019 Raptors model, right? Nick Nurse played seven and a half dudes, right? It's like an eight-man rotation, but not. One of those guys is going to get like two shifts. Oh, not even that. Like three to five minutes. Yeah, it's they've been mostly at seven. Yeah. Yeah, right. And, And so... Miami showed you need like, okay, well, we're bringing 10 guys to the table and that's going to 10 guys who are going to compete and who bring very specific skill sets that can be helpful against this opponent to to the table. Golden State at their best have that number of dudes who who can go out there and play. I do think it's going to be important that their big wings are healthy. Right. And so yeah. Iguodala has not played a lick. Can he play in this series at all? And if he can, how effective can can he be? Porter's been in and out during the playoffs because of like various foot issues. It was a left foot. It was a right foot. Can he play and hold up over the course of what's going to be a very physical, fine final series? And then 
you look at Steph and you look at Clay and you look at Poole and then you look at Draymond and all of those guys, like I trust that they're all going to be ready in some way, shape or form for what they do specifically, whether or not like Poole will be strong enough. That's doubtful to me, but Poole's going to bring an element offensively that Boston probably hasn't had to see since Kyrie in his own way. And when you when you combine that with a Steph and you combine it with a clay and then you've got Draymond doing what, what Draymond does, it's the Warriors are a tricky code to break when they've been at their best and healthy. No team has done it since LeBron right in like 2016, like not when they've been at their best and healthy and they're about as healthy as they're going to get right now. Now, obviously, that can change because I just talked about a bunch of health stuff, but that's about as good as it's going to get. And so to me, the mountain's high right now. The summit is high that Boston has to clear. I don't know if I'm overvaluing the Warriors here. I live close by. I watch them a lot. I know what they're good at. And I think the things that they're good at can give Boston problems. Of course, Boston at their best can give the Warriors some problems, too. This is the making of a pod. If all of y'all were here, you would have seen <laughs> Mike got called away. Maybe, um, see, he's back though. You're, you're GB's not going to keep this in, but it's fine. It's not, yeah, it's not worth getting into. But okay. basically, yeah, just, we're good. Well, Golden State, to me, uh, I, I absolutely can see them beating Boston. And that was what I was, I was struggling with in the East and thinking about a specific matchup, how somebody beats a team that's that physical and big on the wing and has enough athletes and all that. But one of the first thing that I'm thinking about here is that Robert Williams doesn't look even close to healthy. Uh, he barely played in game seven. And, you know, previously in that series, he was pretty key. Like he was the one that neutralized Bam Adebayo. And so he played this, he played 15 minutes. He took two shots, missed them both and had three rebounds. So if Williams can't play in the finals or it's at least is at least there, then you guys were just talking about how Boston is like a seven and a half. Well, let's see. Yeah. So Peyton Pritchard played two minutes and with that, and that's without, that's with Williams barely playing and they're not playing anybody else. So that to me, Pete, it, that gives me the kind of, not just that, but also the way that Golden State can kind of uniquely attack on the perimeter. Yes. Um, although my pushback to myself is that Boston has played well against Golden State, like Smarts played well against Curry. Um, they have the size to put on Steph, which gives them problems. They can put that same size on Pool, and then Clay might be the one where they're like, okay, if you can get, if you can go for forty, you know, more than one time in a series, which, which maybe he can. I don't. So mm -hmm. there, but there are there are at least. I, I got to spend a little more time on this, but my early just my early lean um, is Golden State, whereas in the past oh, wow. it, it it always been um, it had been Boston. So um, that's that's where I'm at right now. But I I will I will reserve the right to to give an official prediction on Wednesday. I, I I'm more interested in the the pack there and like how the attributes match up too. You know what I mean? Like I think that there's a lot of delving into that 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 I think ends gets you to, to that end point, you know, and the, uh, when it cycled back to me, Mike, the player I was going to bring up was Robert Williams. I don't think it's because of health. I think it's because, so Williams, 
the higher levels of basketball expose weakness in what you do. And Williams doesn't always have the best defensive technique. This is not rare for, for guys with his incredible defensive ability. He's so agile. He's got great length. He's got great timing as well. But guys like that can sometimes not get in a def- defensive stance when they're supposed to. And they're maybe are a step late in reacting or rotating out. Uh, and in part because they've always been able to make up for it with their tremendous athletic ability. I think that that type of player is exactly the type of big that Golden State has exploited in the past in their their ability to chase those guys that make those mistakes because that's going to be that like those mistakes are a back cut for a layup or they're an open three for a great shooter. The thing about this the the Miami Boston series is Miami got a lot of pretty good looks in that series. They just weren't offensively good enough to capitalize on them. But now, obviously, the way you would defend them is different than how you defend Golden State. But to me, Robert Williams in particular is a tipping point player of whether or not he can stay in the rotation. Because if he can, if he can survive these circumstances on the perimeter where and, and make the correct play, the correct read, then I think it puts Boston into a state of like overwhelming athleticism versus Golden State that they will have that Golden State will have difficulty with. If Williams can't play that much, all of a sudden they're not as athletically formidable, right? Especially around the rim. Both Al Horford and Grant Williams are more floor bound type of guys. Now you still have that athleticism on the perimeter, but I guess my point D is that I see Robert Williams as a tipping point player where if he can stay on the floor defensively, they can really overwhelm Golden State with their size. But if not, then he's going to have, then I think that that tips the scales a bit. And I think the fact that putting Oladipo in for as many minutes as Spolstra ended up playing him at the end of that series is indicative of the, you can chase Williams off the floor if you go small. Yeah, the small versus big and how much the Warriors stay stay big versus how often they're able to go to their smaller groups. Um, that's going to be, I think, the key chess match of the series. And when you deploy the small group and who they are against and whether or not the type of chasing that you have to do against the Warriors, whether or not a limited rotation that Boston plays is going to hold up. And mentally, Mm. physically i think Mm. they're going to be mostly fine like robert williams i do think his knee is still troublesome even if both physical both from a physical and from a mental standpoint i think he didn't i was into a podcast i think it was the bill simmons pod mike and, and maybe correct me if if i'm wrong because i know that you keep an ear to that pod some sometimes as well but simmons had mentioned that um Williams didn't come out of the locker room, I think, after games like at after halftime of game six or at, at one point mm. during game six, he went to the locker room and then he didn't come back and, and he didn't play. And I doubt that he would be doing that if it wasn't some sort of combination of okay. like my knee is bothering me and from a mental stand standpoint, like like I don't feel ready. Sure. Right. And, and 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 so even if his knee maybe is ready to go, if he's not feeling comfortable with it, then your brain drags you down a little bit yeah. at times, too. The thing about playing the Warriors is that it takes a level of mental fortitude to keep up with yeah. all of the ringer that they put you through from an offensive standpoint. And I'll be interested to see because. We think of Boston as this master switching team, but 
they don't switch every possession. They played. They didn't drop. even switch that much. Yeah, they played and drop a fair amount against the Heat. And part of that is because you can't switch everything against Jimmy Butler. And then the way that the types of handoff actions, those are harder to switch, especially with keep like like Bam and and the Heat's bigs or the guys who get into those actions and they treat Jimmy Butler like a big at times, too, where he's the one who's executing the handoffs. You do those sort of naked bootleg actions, right? Yep. Like, well, well, like it's football where it's like, oh, I'm faking the handoff and then I'm just getting downhill. And those are harder to switch. And that's classic Draymond, right? Yes. And just, I think, adding to the – another thing that I think just works in Golden State's advantage is that – so you talked a few moments ago about Boston and how incredibly excited they were to win the East and how they finally got over that hump that they had, been up in, they had not been able to cross. And meanwhile, you know, Golden State, while extremely happy to be there, they have tasted that, right? And they do know how to act. They do know how to go through all the stuff for the finals. Um, and I think that combination of that plus the just the physical attentiveness and mental attentiveness you have to have playing against Golden State, that they have some of the, the mental advantages that um, that Miami had, but but that go up even another tick. And yeah. Boston mm-hmm. has some physical advantages, but can they really apply those against this unique team? And and that, again, that's why the the Williams injury to me stands out some. But you know, I'm also not going to argue that he's their most important player. But that that to me is just all of these things. And that now I it's the first time that I feel myself kind of, um, you know, wanting to talk myself into. But that is what I believe. That's like my my basketball, my instinct of watching the playoffs over all these years. Now I got to dig a little deeper into the actual matchups and and the personnel and what that's going to look like. So here's the thing. And just a the switching element of things, you just have to be so sharp with it. And. I think it's almost impossible to play a drop coverage against the Warriors because um, they're just too good at exploiting those types of cov coverages and and the mental acuity you need as the person who's defending the screener is so high. And those players just aren't used to playing that high on the floor all of the time and making those specific reaps, right? If it's just, I have to switch, great. But if it's like, okay, I got to show. And then how high am I showing? Oh, wait, I'm getting drug out. How do I recover? Am I staying or am I recovering back? There's this, there's this cycle of information that you have to process, Pete, and you have to do it so quickly. And if you mess it up, then Steph or Clay or Poole is getting an open three or the big man or someone is slipping and suddenly they're like two feet from from the basket and they're playing like little two man game on the backside and you're giving up a layup. And it's that it's that sort of thing that is tricky. But on the flip side of that, like Mike was saying, I also see like smart Tatum and Brown being like, yeah, well, we're big elite defensive players and like we're going to just take these smaller guard dudes and we're just going to to like push them around all game. And that to me is sort of like the battle that I'm looking forward to see who wins that. It, it's it's like the tortoise versus the hare or David versus Goliath or whatever or ever sort of comparison you want to make, right? No, that that's one of the fascinating parts of this series is that Boston is going to have to play a completely different style of defense against Golden State. Now, 
are they capable of it? I think I think that we'll see. And I think that one of the things they haven't been able to do these first couple rounds that maybe we see a little bit more from them is they're a really good ball pressure team. They really like to kind of like get up into you. And I guess I suppose we saw that in versus Milwaukee a bit. But even then, when Giannis has the ball, like you sag off of Giannis. So that was really more in the Giannis minutes with with uh with Miami. You have a wing who's gonna kick your guard's ass if you don't if, if you switch on that. And um, and then a big that's really good in those handoff actions, the way Golden State is. So that that whole combination of factors, Mike, like it's they're going to have to do it in a completely different way because Golden State presents completely different problems. Well, and by the way, that's also why I wish that Golden State had Gary Payton the second and and even a healthy Iguodala. Well, he's supposed to be back. GP two. I saw a report yesterday that he's supposed to be back for the finals. Which okay, which could be a big deal, right? Because we had yeah. talked about we had talked about the difficulty that Boston had it basically bringing the ball up the floor and initiating their action. Yes, sir. And so if you've got that, you know, and this is where like even Avery Bradley, that type, Payton's better yep. than that, but yep. like that that can give that team problems. And and so I think Darius hinted at this earlier too, and and this is kind of part of what I meant about the flip side of it in Boston, my in Miami, the sides of the basketball are linked, offense and defense are linked, and if Boston is that you have to be so engaged defensively in a in its unique way against Golden State. Sometimes you sort of forget about what you're supposed to do on offense, you know, and and that's and they're susceptible mm. to that. I think when when Smart and then Tatum and Brown to an extent can kind of they get sped up, yep, sped up exactly. So yeah, that's that's I also this is this is part of what I'm talking myself into. That's right. Talk me into it, Mike. I need it. <laughs> I spent I spent the last month doing the opposite, so now I, I'm I'm very eager to now be uh, be aligned if possible. When we get more into the finals matchup, I will have some like wet blanket Warriors stuff, like because I'm a believer in the Warriors, and if it's they have home court, so I think they should be favored based just based off the fact that they have home court. Um, but Boston's going to present some problems. For them, and Boston mm-hmm. traditionally has presented problems to the Warriors ever since Brad Stevens became a part of their organization, and 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 so that hasn't really changed over the years. And this year, like even with Stevens in the front office, so it's going to be a tough matchup for the Warriors to get over the hump. And in the same way, Pete, that you talked about the Celtics earning it against the Heat, the yeah. Warriors, if they're able to win a championship, they would have definitely earned it against the Celtics I see that and so that's kind of where I'm at now like we'll have plenty of more time to talk about the Celtics and the Warriors and the NBA Finals it's gonna be a fascinating series all right we'll be back uh tomorrow hopefully maybe with the Lakers pod we shall see but until then you've been listening to Lakers Room Room Podcast we'll catch you guys next time Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound is Lottie. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the He's an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. 
Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.